welcome to the Extraordinary Moms podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hey everybody, I have a repeat guest today and I am so honored to welcome back to the show Anne Bogle. She's better known online as the modern Mrs. Darcy. She is a blogger, an author, a podcaster, and she has a new book coming out that is actually a reading journal. Wouldn't it be so fun to have in your hot little hands a journal that your mom or your grandmother had written in about all the books they had read and their feelings about those books? Do you ever have a hard time like me remembering what you read like last month? I certainly do. And so that is why this reading journal is such a wonderful companion to a reader's life so that you can document the books you've read, your feelings on it. There's different journal prompts and it is just a fun way to engage more with your reading life. So Anne's talking about that new reading journal and all the barriers that keep us from reading and why we should write down what we are reading. So let's get to my conversation with Anne Bogle. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Ann Bogle again. Did you know you've been on the show before, Ann? Yes, in, oh gosh, in it, the before times. It was like the a year week, and a half ago. It was the that. week before the world shut down, March 5th. <laughs> we just didn't know. We had no idea what was coming, Ann. Where, where you, do you live again? I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, so how has it been for you? Oh, well... <laughs> My first, my first response, given when we're talking, is it's just hot, but that's not yeah. what we're talking about. <laughs> it is hot right now, though. As we reemerge, we really realize almost like there's a second grieving period of how much really we've all lost. And it's it's been a weird, weird time, but hopefully, gosh, I hope we're not backsliding. I'm getting so nervous right now. Well, on the upside, reading has been able to be a constant companion because no CDC guideline can take away reading from us, can they? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But you have a new book coming out, and I'm so excited to chat about it. You were on episode uh, 294, like we mentioned, over a year and a half ago. And so this new book, My Reading Life, what is this book that you've created? Well, this one is totally different. Yeah. This is a reading journal for readers to not only log their books, but also find ideas, inspiration, uh, solace, if that applies. And I know that applies to a lot of readers in 2021. Um, organization and just tools you need to not just get more out of your reading life, which is what we say we do for Modern Mrs. Darcy, to, to get more out of your reading life specifically. But we really believe that when you get more out of your reading life, your whole life is a little bit better. But also just to make you feel equipped and comfortable and empowered to get a little more enjoyment out of this thing that you either already love or want to make more time for in your life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, several years ago, websites like Goodreads and and things like that to help kind of document, you know, what you've read, how you enjoyed it, and being able to kind of converse with other people more about reading. Mm -hmm. How does this compare in terms of like the analysis of what you're reading personally? And how will it help you kind of going forward in, in selecting books? And is, is that the point? Oh, 
I do really like Goodreads. And one of my favorite episodes of my own podcast, What Should I Read Next, is called Goodreads with Good Friends. And we <laughs> talk with some of my friends at Goodreads whose job is to, you know, spread the word about their service. But I will say as a reader, I've had the opportunity, well, a reader and someone who has talked about thousands of people's reading lives with them over the 10 plus years I've been doing this as my job. I've heard from readers what they love and what they hate about the systems they've used to track their books and mm -hmm. what information they find generally useful and what they find to be clutter and what they need and what they really don't like. I have to say, I personally have very complicated feelings about star ratings, which is a staple of the Goodreads system. Mm -hmm. um, but different people benefit from tracking different things. Something else that I've heard more and more that I know that you've heard from some of your guests is that so many readers, I mean, some readers have always loved analog methods. Mm -hmm. You know, they say, give me a journal and a pen any day over a spreadsheet or a digital tool, a website and an app. But I'm hearing more and more from readers now that, uh, Instagram and social media are no longer doing good things for their reading life, that mm. it's a source of overwhelm and distraction. And the more focused time they can spend in their leisure hours away from the screen, the better they feel and also the more reading they get done. So I'm really excited at this moment in time to be able to offer readers a robust solution, you know, that has a lot of those same capabilities that you love in your apps. Although there's no search feature, you got to find it in your own hand. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that exists on the page and not on a screen. Hey everyone, I wanted to jump in real quick and thank a show sponsor and that is Novo. This is free business banking. So all you small business owners out there, do you really like giving your bank some of your hard earned money? Uh, no. So it's time to find a bank that actually works for you. As a small business owner, I hate having hidden fees and all types of things that pop up where it's like, gosh, I didn't even know that was part of the package, right? And so your business banking account is infected with these fees and it's killing your cash flow. That's why Novo is so incredible. It is backed with FDIC insurance, which is a great thing. There are no hidden fees, hallelujah, easy to use mobile apps, and you can apply in under 10 minutes. They've human powered customer service, free transfers, mail checks, incoming wires, and they integrate with other small business tools. And all of these things can make your accounting in your business go so much smoother. When you sign up, they'll send you a Novo debit card and you'll get free ATM use. Novo makes banking easy and secure, and I want you to be able to give it a try. Get your free business banking account in just under 10 minutes at banknovo.com slash EEP. Go to banknovo.com slash EEP to sign up free right now and get a copy of Novo's free small business starter guide, banknovo.com slash EEP. If you're a small business, I would love for you to give it a try and let me know what you think. Thanks, Novo. What I was thinking about too, when I was thinking about you know uh, eBooks versus physical books and whatnot, part of what I love about a physical book is the orientation I have to know. Oh, I just need to go back this distance in you know how many pages back to find a detail or a character or whatever it is. Or like this is when I stop paying full attention. I need to go back and reread. But I lose it more on a screen. And and so kind of what you're talking about in terms of like the search feature in a journal almost instead of, yeah, you don't have like the quick query, you know, search bar. But if you have this journal in your physical hand, you can be like, oh, it was about, you know, a quarter into my journal that I wrote about <laughs> this one. Right. And so you still have that orientation. And I 
I, I just love that approach. That still rings more true for me, that type of search function. I'm laughing because I find that very relatable. Okay, when I'm reading good. a book in print, I can remember, I might not remember the page number. I mean, let's be honest. I don't remember the page number unless it's something distinctive like a hundred, yeah. but I, I can point to where it was on the page. Right. So when I'm scanning, I can, you know, look for the right word in the right spot. Also, I hadn't really thought of this before we started talking, Jessica, but, um, the journal is, I wouldn't say color coded, but it's, it's, um, the accent colors are the rainbow. It's laid out in Roy G. Biv order. So when you start logging your books at the beginning, books one and two, three and four, they have a violet hue that's very subtle, but definitely present on the sidebar. So hopefully that'll help readers remember as well. Uh, it was in the yellow section. It was I a blue book. I love that. So there's landmarks. Um, there are landmarks. We, yeah. <laughs> yes. It's something we've included is a table of contents where you can write the the journal has room for 100 books but you can fill them in so that you can see all the books in your journal just on the first couple pages in the table of contents and we added that because it's feature personally i would love to have in my own reading journal and one that we heard from readers would be very valuable to them as well that is so cool and i mean i know how impactful journal keeping is and what a gift it can be to your children and your children's children. And, and there's just something about your own handwriting versus, you know, more, a more sterile social media post, or even if it's your words, there's just something about your handwriting and that documentation and, and knowing where somebody has been in their reading life, it kind of tells you a whole, a whole narrative about them. My husband's mom passed away when he was just 14. And I remember them talking about how in her last 18 months of her life, of her cancer battle, she became very, very invested in reading because that was something that she could still do. And I would have loved to have a log of what did she read? What was she choosing to pour into in those last months of her life? And I know some of her favorites, but wouldn't it be cool to have that documentation, like what you're providing? Yes, it truly does feel like a window to the soul yeah. to see what books people are drawn to and which they choose to spend their time with. Oh, I love that so much. So, I mean, as somebody like you who has read and read and read, I mean, your whole life, but then also talking to a lot of other readers and making recommendations, has your approach to reading changed at all? Have you changed what you like personally or have you evolved in how you recommend things? I mean, this is kind of a big, a big question, but you know, how, how, how have things evolved um, I mean, for of you? Course. Mm -hmm. Like any reader, my, my needs, my desires, my interests change with the season I'm in mm -hmm. with what's happening in the world and what's happening in my life. Um, you know, we started by talking about the COVID-19 pandemic. I am in the majority of readers who say what they gravitated towards changed significantly when they were reading against the backdrop of a global pandemic. Yes. But while what we read may have changed, it changed in different ways. Some people could not get enough pandemic books like mm. Station Eleven mm -hmm. or nonfiction books like The Plague Year. And some people said, you know what I want to read right now? A book set anywhere else. <laughs> That in has nothing to do Tuckett. with medicine yeah. or science in any way. Yeah. You know, bring, bring me all the escapist novels. I hope I began with an inclination to honor the fact that reading is personal, but as time has gone on, I, I truly have just become more, more ardent in my belief that reading is personal. And yeah. what one reader loves, another will um, not want to touch with a 10-foot pole. Mm -hmm. And seeing as that we are not in school anymore and aren't, reading to write exam papers or to pass tests or to get grades or degrees, that is just fine. That is good even. 
Yeah. And I really see it as my mission to help connect the right readers with the right books. And as part of that, something I really want to do with this journal is give readers a tool that can help them really understand what is it that they love to read and what is it that they don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole. We're not born knowing this. We have to figure it out of ourselves Mm -hmm. and it's easier when we can do it in writing and see our reading habits reflected back to us in the pages of a reading log and a reading log like this certainly meets that purpose. Yeah. Well, and I feel like myself included and, you know, people I talk to when we're in this, you know, phase of, of wanting to read more and making that a priority, you know, what should I read next is obviously such a great question and obviously one that you you have coined in your podcast and, and whatnot. But just for people that aren't familiar with your vast reading lists and resources, where can people find find that just so we can make sure that that gets included. My home base on the web is my blog, modernmrsdarcy.com, but we're talking on the podcast. Yeah. So the, my podcast, What Should I Read Next, is probably a great place to start. If you, you're listening to podcasts, you can find this one wherever you're listening to Extraordinary Moms. Yeah. And every week I ask a reader, and sometimes sometimes it's a reader that you you know and love, mm-hmm. um, like like the author of your favorite books, but more often it's a, this is my listener's term, not mine. I don't think there is such a thing, but a regular reader who could be your teacher, your kid's babysitter, your mom, your niece, your, your grandma, who's sharing three books they love, one book they don't, and what they're reading now. And I recommend three books they should read next. And week after week, you really come to understand, well, first of all, hopefully some weeks you get to go, oh, I read so much like that guest. Right, <laughs> and you want to read that's the books it, and-, and the books that I recommend to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But also listening to readers talk about why they love books or why certain books are not right for them. Mm -hmm. Like not at all. We have readers that come on and say, oh, I hated this so much. I threw it across the room. But (laughs) then we get emails from listeners that say that book sounded perfect for me, that one that other reader hated. But you really get insight into why you love the books you love and what that ought to mean for your reading life and what you choose to read next. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Are you an audiobook listener? I am. You are. How do you choose which ones you want to physically read and which ones you want to listen to? That's a great question. I mean, sometimes it's a matter of availability, mm-hmm. but more often, I mean, I want to listen to an audiobook that isn't just replacing time I might spend reading with my eyes, but a book that really adds something special to the reading experience. So mm-hmm. I have, I, I think in American English, you can probably hear my not not terribly strong, but present Kentucky accent. Mm-hmm. So to me, I love to hear um, British narrators, Nigerian ni- narrators, Australian narrators, French narrators. Um, you know, I can't speak those languages, but well, I, I can speak Australian, I think, although some <laughs> of the lingo does escape me a bit. But listening to narrators read in that voice is, I think it just really helps me feel like I am in the story in a way that might be harder to sink into. Mm. Or it just me trying to figure out how to pronounce the words on the page and the unfamiliar names that I, I don't know. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. What about you? Yeah. What, what a great point. You know what, Anne? I'm a terrible audiobook listener. I feel like <laughs> I'm not I'm not well practiced at it. And yet I'm like podcasts, like small bites so that I can like stay, you know, attentive and I don't have a long commute or anything. So really have a lengthy period of time, I feel like having it a book chopped up hasn't 
you know, been a great fit for me. However, I have a four month old baby now and I'm having a hard time putting a book in my hand and, and holding that while I'm also holding a baby. So I have been exploring audiobooks and basically just going on recommendations of people that say, this is a great audiobook, not just a great book, but like this narrator is great and the story's engaging and, you know, it's mostly fiction um, because I find for nonfiction, I want to underline and, you know, go back you know, and have those landmarks like we were talking about earlier. Um, but I've I've listened to a couple books lately on audiobook that I have really enjoyed and and have found myself, you know, doing that instead of, you know, watching Netflix. And I'm like, oh, that is such a good sign, Jessica. Like, I've made some progress. But it's mostly more like suspenseful, um, uh, The Couple Next Door. I just listened to, I enjoyed that one. Um, I'm about to read or listen to um, the one on the Chilean or the Thai soccer team, the 13. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited to listen yeah. to that with my son. And my kids, um, you know, they're not regular habitual readers. They'll read when they have to. But what I love is they always come away loving the books their teachers read with them in class. But I think it has to do with the teacher's enthusiasm, not just the book that's selected. And I realized that's mm-hmm. where I'm falling short as a parent is not instilling that enthusiasm or that partnership with them, investing in reading with them. Would you say that's a huge part of, of reading in general? Oh, gosh. I mean, no matter what your age is, readers pick up books that they are excited about reading right then. Yeah. And if we forget why we're excited about reading a book that maybe we we requested as a library hold six yes. weeks ago and we pick it up, we, we won't read it. We might have been excited about it while we, while we requested it. But if we don't know right then before we sit down to read it why we're excited about that book, we're not going to read it. That's really important. And that's true when you're 28 or 78 or, you know, eight years old. That's so true. On my nightstand, I have a library book, The Midnight Library, and I've heard fantastic things about it, but yet I don't really know too much about it and I'm just like trusting other people's enthusiasm for it and I just it feels like I don't know too hard to start and that's so weird because I waited like four months for Uh it well I can tell you that a whole lot of people are excited about that book it has been a publishing sensation but um Matt Haig is a lot of fun it sounds like you're afraid this is going to be serious Maybe, maybe, or okay. yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I find that starting new books is kind of intimidating to me. Mm-hmm. I feel, especially, yeah, for a new topic or new characters that I'm unfamiliar with, starting a new book is hard. It, learning a new story, new characters, a new setting, it's a challenge. And I think that's what deters a lot of our kids too, that, that time investment until you get into it. Do you have any tips for kind of ramping up in a new book? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, And I do find it harder to be or harder to get acclimated to a new book on audio sometimes. Yes, yes, yes. So it's just it's there's a lot of senses (laughs) being hit at once. Yes. I mean, my biggest advice would be remember why you wanted to pick it up in the first place. Mm -hmm. Think about why you're reading it right then. Are you reading for enjoyment? Are you reading to connect with a friend? Are you reading for your own edification? Like lots of people say that about nonfiction, but sometimes about fiction books that they've been meaning to read for a long time and also like don't be afraid to interact plenty Mm. of readers think oh I just must not be a good reader if I can't keep the character straight well sometimes in books it's hard to keep the character straight and I I'll make a little note in the front that says okay Samantha older sister Tessa younger sister because 
sometimes yeah. in some stories, if you don't know those details, it is not going to go well for you. But so many times readers will say to me like, oh, I'm just not good at doing that naturally. And I have to tell them, wait, hang on, hang on. Everybody needs to make notes. Like it's, mm. it is okay for you need, need to do that. Um, for Matt Haig, the Midnight Library. Now, I wouldn't say this to everyone. So listeners, maybe this isn't the right book for you. But I imagine that what drew you to Matt Haig was one, you, you probably heard this book was really popular. Lots of people are reading it. Um, so the odds that someone is going to say, Jessica, this is a great book and you should c- consider picking it up are higher than you know, a book that you wouldn't see when you walk into the shelves today of, mm-hmm. of a Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. um, you know, that may be good, but has been buried by time. But he writes about deep topics, sometimes life and death issues with a really light, fun and funny touch. And the premise of this one is really fun. Like beyond the edge of the universe you live in is a <laughs> library. And there are all it's it's filled with books that all contain a version of what your life could have been. So uh, in, in this novel, the protagonist, Nora, she goes to the library and she sees all these different versions of her life. Unf- and she visits the library at a moment of personal crisis where she's thinking, I don't know if this life is one I want to continue reading. Um, and I have to tell you, when I first read it, I thought, "Ooh, is he being a little flippant about these life and death issues he's talking about? But then when I read about Matt Haig's personal experience with so much of what he's writing and his mission behind writing these books, I thought, oh, like how brilliant that this oh. matters deeply. You're, you know what you're talking about and you're packaging these intense, important discussions in a page turner of a novel. Like, yes, please bring it. Okay. Now I feel much more prepared. See, this is what I need. I need the teacher in my back See, corner. You forgot. you forgot why you were excited to I read it. And often totally there's forgot. that gap between bringing a book into our life and actually starting reading it. We lose that momentum and we lose our why. Yes. But if we can find it again, it's a lot easier to sink in. That's absolutely sink true. Sink story. That yeah. And that's interesting. You mentioned knowing about the author's background and motivation and everything, how often do you look into the backstory of the author when you read something? Like, what motivates you to do that? Oh, well, I mean, for me, it's almost an affliction. I'm just a big nerd. I'm an Enneagram (laughs) 9, and I am fascinated by the the behind-the-scenes of almost anything. And sometimes that includes why they put the sidewalks where they put them in your city or why all (laughs) mailboxes happen to be painted blue or sometimes, like, why – what led an author to tell this particular story or why is the cover that way? Or why did they dedicate it to whoever? Or why are they giving a pizza recipe in the acknowledgements? Like I, I bring, I enjoy the stories more when I know more about the, the thought process behind them. So not, not every reader is that way. Some readers do not care. And that, that is okay too. But what are those things that make a reading experience extra fun for you? Yeah. Seek, seek those out so that you can enjoy it more. And many people want to read more. If you get more enjoyment, you will end up reading more. And reading is not a competitive sport. There's, we're not giving out gold stars for finishing more books. But if you want to read more, then that is a great way to do it. Absolutely. Well, and I love a lot of Jodi Picoult's earlier work, especially. And in her acknowledgement, she always says, like, thank you to this police department and thanks to this forensic person. And, da, da, da. and it makes, really gives me you know, so much more confidence in the narrative and in the fiction that she just provided for me, knowing that it was based in, you know, that level of research and detail and everything. So then I didn't feel like I was just, you know, reading a fluffy work, but that I could kind of believe in what she was teaching me through these fictional characters. I love that. I think that's fantastic. So it kind of, yeah, speaks to what to what you're saying, not only in the author's background, but in the research that they pour into. 
Well, and I think we all want our stories to feel true, which does not mean they can't be completely invented, but we want them to feel true. And I think it can be reassuring to readers to get to the end of the book and find out, oh, it, you know, they've done their best to make it feel true to the reader, knowing that that's important. Yeah. So you talk about goal setting in reading sometimes, and I'm just wondering, like, why is it important to have reading goals? Like, is it okay to just read when you read or it, or why, why goal set? Why is that a part of it? Oh gosh. I, that is definitely not something I would give as an across the board okay. descriptor. Like I do think it's true that you get what you measure. Mm-hmm. And if you, yeah, I mean, just where we put our focus, that's where we tend to go. I've, I have taught two kids to drive in the past few years. It turns Ooh. out I'm a little more patient than my husband in that regard. <laughs> um, which is not generally true about everything in life and patience, but something that I've, I've had to explicitly teach them is you think if you want to stay in your lane, that you want to look at the the lane lines right next to you on the road and you want to look just in front of you, but you don't, you want to cast your eye way down the road, like a mile and steer towards that direction. You'll do it very naturally. You'll do those micro corrections. But if you're looking at the lines on either side of you right there and try to stay within them, um, you're, you're going to be one heck of a zigzagging driver. Yeah. And the same is true for any goals that we're setting in our life. And that can apply to reading as well. Um, I would be very hesitant to ask people to set reading goals, but I, I would urge readers to think about their reading intentions. Why are you reading? What do you want from this? You know, what what do you want from this aspect of your life? And that doesn't mean that you need to attain, attain them, but it does mean I, I want you to be mindful of them. Are you reading to learn something or are you reading because you want a delightful escape that is pure leisure and you don't want to read with a pen in your hand? Mm-hmm. Um, some readers find it great fun to add books to their reading journal and realize that they're reading 50 books this year when they only read 42 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can certainly help you do that as well. Um, but I mean, the question is, what do you want? Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that it can look so different for so many different people. And, and if you have children too, reading alongside, you know, your fifth grader and their novels and then being able to discuss it with them, there's such value in young adult literature (laughs) and everything. So to revisit those and not feel like you have to take on this lofty, you know, Dostoevsky or something like that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about read like what reading for whatever intention meets you in the season that you're in right now. And for me, I feel like that connection and that fun escapism and, and getting back to true principles that are in so much young adult literature. Oh gosh, I think feel like that's where I'm at right now. And so it's not necessarily the quantity of books, it's it's what books I'm reading and what I'm making time for. So, yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying in that. Yeah. I mean, I want you to feel like you're getting a lot out of whatever time you're putting into your reading life. Yeah. And if anybody needs to hear right now that, yes, it is a great thing for young people in this world. If you sit down and read a book you enjoy and they could care less about in front of them, just modeling reading is something we do because we like it, not because our teacher made us. You are doing good things for the world and just, you know, read on. Yeah. That's well, just fine. And I think there's Tell nothing. Them to get their own book sometimes. Exactly. And I think that's what's hard about reading is that, you know, it's so personal that, you know, one blanket, you know, bestseller is not the perfect read for everybody. 
And there's nothing more fulfilling than finding somebody that aligns kind of with your reading interests and style and whatever. And then you can swap those recommendations and you can know nearly 100% like if they like it, I'll like it. That is so fulfilling. I love finding somebody like that. That is really fun. And I know that I keep saying that reading is personal and I'm aware of the fact that that can sound wishy-washy and it can also make readers feel like, oh, well, shoot, like if my tastes are so unique, how am I going to find books that I can actually, you know, that are right yeah. for me? If the bestseller isn't necessarily right for me, then what is? And that's so true what you said about how it's just so great to make reading friends whose taste does overlap with yours. And also in the book journal, there are 25 different book lists. Each one has 20 books. That's a lot of titles. You can do that. Yes. Um, that that I've divided by uh, like genre favorites. In the front of the journal, there are lists um, of popular genres like nonfiction that reads as novels or stories that take you back in time or love stories where you can scan the list and see, have I read and enjoyed some of these books? Oh, then I am probably the odds are in my favor if right. I try another one. And then later in the journal, we organize books by theme, like um, stories that are wonderful for people obsessed with houseplants and gardening and who, you know, who are plant lovers and stories that are perfect for, oh gosh, people who love reading, like books about yeah. books and bookstores and mm, stories that like might be good to read around the time you're making your New Year's resolutions or seasonal reading lists. So we do give you plenty of ideas, um, but hopefully in a curated themed format so that you have a nice selection of titles to choose from, but you aren't just buried in too many titles, you know, because too many options is just as bad as not enough. Oh, absolutely. And there's nothing worse than, you know, buying things on impulse and then having your books, you know, your nightstand stack up with books and then, you know, feel uninspired by any of them because you're just impulsively doing that. I love this kind of more intentional approach of like, okay, what do I need right now? Why would I pick pick that up? Why would I spend my time doing that? And then once you choose that and identify that, Mm -hmm. it's so much more meaningful. And yeah, it might Mm -hmm. look like, you know, a memoir in one season and a, a chick flick Christmas read in December. Like, I just love that. I love the diversity that books can offer. Oh, so exciting. So in my reading life, what are people going to find when they pick up your book? Is it like a whole page of writing that I have to do? How, how is it kind of laid out so I can picture it? Oh, Jessica, you are the boss of your reading journal. Okay. And something I tell readers in the very front is this is a tool. So first of all, I don't know if you relate to the feeling of being almost paralyzed when faced with a new notebook or a blank journal because as soon as you start writing on it, you, you started writing on it and what if you mess it up? And mm-hmm. ah, like just many readers find that very intimidating. So on the very first page, there's a date. It says, I began this journal on, we really wanted to make it easy for readers to put pen to page that first time. But then what I hope you'll find is a compact, easy to fit in your purse, easy to rest on your nightstand, easy to slip in your back, backpack. You could keep it in your glove compartment. Um, a little guide and handbook that will help you capture reading life, reflect on your reading life, get more out of your reading life. And we do include 100 dedicated pages where you can log 100 books. And it's not to fill out in a year. Some readers will fill this out in nine months and some will fill it out in four years. And both are completely wonderful. But there is space to write, but not too much mm. space to write. Mm-hmm. Um and you can write what you want. We, we've given prompts to document how you discovered 
the book that you're writing about, um, a few lines from memorable quotes, a place for thoughts and impressions. If you want to draw a picture of a fruit bowl, you absolutely <laughs> could. If you want to leave it blank, you could. If you want to write like, golly, this book really made me reconsider um, parent-child relationships and made me want to read I don't know, get Matt Haig for the first time ever. Yeah. But we also give little um, fun bubble in easy, low-hanging fruit things like what genre is this book? When did you start it? When did you finish it? We let you rate it in three different ways. Um, enjoyment, the craft, and overall, what rating would you give this book? And we let you write a little spot that says, who would you recommend it to? Oh my and it's gosh, not necessarily I that, that. We, I think you should recommend books to every person that that you, um, or that I think you should recommend every book you read to some reader. But when you think about who would like it, it really helps us think about the book in a different way. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is, I love this myself. Sometimes the answer is, it wasn't right for me, but I can think of the kind of reader who would enjoy that. And understanding what you don't like is just as valuable, and maybe even more so, as understanding what you do in your reading life. Oh. And that leads you to choose better for yourself next time. Because it's always a great feeling to pull a book off the shelf, sit down and love it. Like, who, who doesn't want that reading experience more often? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love the book. Um, Eleanor Oliphant is absolutely fine. I just thought that was the most delightful thing. And I was so sad it was done. And I literally check Amazon every six months to see if that author has written anything new. And they haven't. <laughs> and I'm just so bummed because I, I just was, you know, so engaged with their style of writing and it doesn't even have to be the same characters, but once you find an author, you just get so excited about them. And so I know that feeling that you're you're speaking about. And I would love, yeah, to, to have that those feelings written down in a journal for myself to reflect back on and, you know, to share with others as well. This is gonna make such a great birthday gift. I mean, I would love to receive this from somebody because it's it, it really just meets anybody where they're at and they can make it their own, like you said. So what a great gift. Well, that's what it's there for. Yay. And I certainly hope readers find that to be the case. Yay. Okay. So where can people find it? It comes out September 20th. Is that right? September 21st. And okay. you can order your copy wherever new books are sold. Amazing. Amazing. And I always ask my guests one final question and it's this, what would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh gosh, there is time. You have time to do the things you wanted to do. I think in some sense, when I found out I was having kids, a kid, a kid, just one, just one the first time, um, mm -hmm. that I thought like, well, there goes that opportunity to do a whole bunch of things I wanted to do, but no, you have time. Yeah. And, and you taught two kids how to drive and you lived. <laughs> you did it. You uh, did it. That seemed so remote when right. I first found out I was expecting that right. it wasn't even real. Exactly. Wouldn't even comment on that. But now you've lived to tell the tale. It, I'm so it proud gets of you. It a lot realer as the years go on. So good. Where can people find the rest of what you do online? My hub online is modernmrsdarcy.com. Amazing. Thanks, and So nice to have you back. Thank you, Jessica. It was a pleasure. You too. So I don't know about you, but I love shopping for Christmas all year round. I don't like being forced into buying gifts at the end of the year, a few days or a few weeks leading up to Christmas time where I just have to find something to give someone in my life, right? That is why when good gifts come up throughout the year and I think, oh, so-and-so would really love this, I go ahead and pick it up. A, it helps the budget to not just have, you know, all the gifts being bought in December. B, I can be more thoughtful with my gift giving. And I think this reading journal would be such a wonderful gift 
for a reader in your life. My grandmother loves to read. She's always been a voracious reader. She goes through many, many books a week. She used her library her whole life. And and how cool would it be to have had a reading journal to go back to or for her to write in that could document all the different places she's visited and the characters she's lived vicariously through throughout her reading journey. And I know that she would love this gift. So if somebody comes to mind who is a reader that would love to add this as part of their reading process, this is a great gift. So I'll link everything at extraordinarymomspodcast.com. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can go to jessicadalquist 3 on Instagram. And I'm just so grateful that you're here spending a little bit of time with me. So pick up a book that you've been wanting to read. I have a couple on my nightstand that I'm definitely just going to prioritize to get started. Once I get into a book, I never regret it. It's getting over the hump like we were talking about of starting a new book sometimes. And so I just got to get over that initial hump, get into the plot, get to know these characters, and just sink into a whole new world. So I hope you enjoy your day today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.